check is flat. Give me up. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Black Zero. Oh, my God. Hello again, friends, and welcome into mile 116 of the Seconds Flat running podcast. So happy to have you here with us. Travis here with my good friend, Phil. Oh, it's good to be back, man. It's great to have you. You have have survived a marathon. That's the main topic for tonight. We are going to break down. Each of us had a race within the past couple weeks. It's been a busy couple weeks. And so we're going to break down our performances, but more significantly those races so that If there are events you're considering in the future, maybe some tips, maybe things to expect to make your experience a little bit better. We have not talked to each other much. You wouldn't tell me what happened. About our races. (laughs) Like an old married couple that avoids the real issues in the room. No, we just sit on the couch and watch TV. We Yes, we do. (laughs) It's a healthy relationship. We are going to hash it all out tonight on mile 116. I've been waiting. Before we do, Phil, a couple announcements I'd like to share. One is exciting event this weekend. So if you are listening soon after episode release this Saturday morning, that is the 21st of May, 8 a.m. in Greenville. If you are in the upstate Western North Carolina, want to come to a great event with the folks at Run In and also Ultra Shoes will be here for a demo run event, a trail run event. I think that's nice. what's going to make it really cool. Yeah. Going to use the local trails at the Sliding Rock Creek Trail, which is right off one of the spurs of the Swamp Rabbit Trail. Yep, right downtown. Great loop for it. Matthew from Ultra is going to have their new Mont Blanc and their new Lone Peak, Lone Peak 6 nice. for trail models. The for folks to try a new, uh, a new model for them, right? Brand new edition, yeah. just this spring. So super excited. Come on out. Try it out. Should be a lot of fun. Also, how about bringing our two sponsors together? People helping people. It's a great idea. It's a beautiful thing. That's a healthy relationship. It is. <laughs> At Run In, currently, got the brand new Tervis Tumblr run-in logo you know it's the it's nice because it doesn't get water on the uh, on the desk when you set uh-huh. it there from the bottom it doesn't Keeps things cold. on all that condensation keeping things cool with the run-in logo made in america that's a florida company nice and a crossover event with our good friends at do south coffee roasters if you buy a run-in tumbler and support the store you will get a free single-serve packet of the Dew South coffee. I believe it's the one that we provided you for your oh, birthday. The Waxwing. That's the, good stuff. Yeah, man. there you go. That makes some really good stuff. Fantastic. Best of both worlds coming together, and we appreciate the support of both of those great companies to make this happen for us. Uh, run in in Greenville, across from Cleveland Park and the zoo, right on the trail. The trail's getting ready to extend. It's going to be right in the heart of the trail there at 1301 East Washington. Downtown Simpsonville, second new location. The upcoming 
Simpsonville Sunrise 8K. That's early. Will be it is right at sunrise <laughs> in June. Uh, we'll be right down there by the new store, right at the nice. clock tower in downtown Simpsonville. And of course, do south out at their Hampton Station location. You'll need some do south for that. Uh, yeah, get run. people up for that. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I was out at do south last week. I'm really excited. I'm going to make an announcement that, frankly, is not mine to announce. But Go ahead. our good friend Benjamin, head roaster over there, has his bags packed. Actually, I hope they're not packed. It's six months away. But he has registered. Actually, I'm not sure if that's true either. <laughs> Second lie. Scratch that. Reverse it. I believe that. His intentions are dialed in on the Richmond Marathon. Ooh. So we had some early discussion. Nice. That's a great race. That's all you hear from people. Yeah. Great experience Done at Richmond. Twice. It's yeah. a fun course, well supported, decent turnout of, of racers. So there's a good many folks on the course, but not crowded. Um, some competition yeah. normally. A uh, friend of the show, Josh, our guy also, he sent me a text today that he might lock in for, for Richmond. So nice. It could be a big fall for Seconds Flat. At Richmond. We're excited for that. Before we get into our races, a uh, couple quick highlights. We've been away. For, it's been two weeks since mm-hmm. we came at you. So you guys missed us. Yeah. I, I missed you. Well, glad somebody <laughs> did. It feels like significant hyperbole early on in the episode of how much I was missed. Some big moments. There's a lot's happening in track. You are at conference championships taking place in the NCAA. Just to hit on a few big things. One, how about this young cat, Gary Martin? Are you familiar? Oh, broke Jim Ryan's record. Yes, Gary Martin solo uh-huh. at the Philadelphia Catholic League meet. Conference championships? Yes, it was. Last weekend, 357 mile. Again, solo. I believe second place. I looked up the meet results. I believe it was around 420-ish for yeah. second place. Gary Martin is a high school senior headed to University of Virginia next year. They got a pretty decent coach these days. They, do. they know what they're Dan doing. Lanana. He knows yeah, what's up. For sure. Well, I think what's great about that kid's story is he has his, he runs with his high school coach and yeah. he's with his high school team. You know, you hear a lot about these high school phenoms having their own individual coach or doing their own thing, but um, he's running with the coach there at the high school. He seems like a great kid in a great situation and, and really good perspective on what yeah. he's done. And and part of what makes this beautiful is it was not in a staged race with collegiates and professionals. Yep. So when you speak to breaking Jim Ryan's record, that is a reference to fastest time by a high schooler yep. in a high school meet. This is not at the Prefontaine Classic where we've sent these guys before to run really fast times like Alan Webb, yeah. for example. It would be awesome to see him there in a week plus. As an aside, from Archbishop Wood High School, Phil, do you know there is a famous recent graduate of that school athlete as well? I don't know. Reigning Big East Basketball Player of the Year, Colin Gillespie from Villanova, was also a Catholic League star. Archbishop Wood. Nice. How about that? Congrats to Gary. He has been close a couple times, also in high school races, like 4-0, 4-0-1, and dipped under doing is it all Is this his first time own. under four? Yeah, I believe this is the first wow. time under four period for him. To step up from the mile a little bit, a guy that we talked about earlier in the winter. I, I told Adam, that we're going to talk about next, I, I told him that... You got to stop with the huge PRs because I can't keep talking about you every time on this show. <laughs> he ran a 4.15 mile earlier in the year for a big breakthrough, broke a lifetime goal, huge PR. He had a massive personal best in the 3,000 on the track at Vanderbilt 
it would have been the night before I ran my race that we'll talk about when I was out in Washington. So it's been about two weeks ago now. That guy, as I mentioned the last time, has just poured himself into this in beating marks from college that he spent years trying to chip away nice. at. It's been such an honor to be a part of it as somewhat of a guide. You know, <laughs> the first thing he says to me is thank you. And my immediate response to that is, I play a really small role in what he did because his work ethic, his commitment, and his willingness to adapt and his willingness to put himself in a place of vulnerability and suffering in a race yeah. situation, that's how you get there. Yep. Not just penciling in the plan. Yeah. He did fantastic work, so kudos to Adam. And then we had an American record while we were gone. Emily Sisson at the USATF Half Marathon Champs in Indianapolis. What an impressive performance. 107.11. Knocks four seconds off of Sarah Hall's time. I believe that's about a 5.07 mile pace for Emily Sisson. Without really much female competition in this race. Yeah, it's a pretty low-key event, right? Yeah, and in particular, in comparison to where this record keeps getting broken, which is at Houston, where it's been broken or the attempts have been made, when you think of Sarah Hall, Molly Huddle, Emily Sisson made an attempt there as well, where you have great both male and international competition to work with in the race. This is the... Indie course, unlike the the fall, that's their right. big event in the fall. This is the indie course that goes out to the speedway where they run the Indy 500. And nice. my understanding from race reports and also looking at some Strava data, when they got onto the speedway and would have been going, I believe it would have been almost due north at this point, they were in a ridiculous headwind. Uh, like. There were multiple guys I looked at who were in the elite field who were 20, 30 seconds slower for that mile than the wow. rest of their race. So it was a a remarkable performance given that she had just recently come back from COVID and doesn't have something big necessarily planned on the calendar next. She said afterward, it's going to be a summer of road races. I love it. Nice. See what happens. Yeah. And who knows where we see her in the fall, but... She's moving herself in these past few years onto this very, very short list of our greatest women ever. What she did at the track trials in the 10,000 in that heat in Eugene where it was just her from the gun hammering. And who knows still what potential lies out there for her in the marathon, which many people thought would be the event for her at the last Olympics. And Atlanta went a different direction. So... Excited for Emily and look forward to seeing what she can do in the fall. She's a fantastic competitor. One last thing, Phil, that I'll add. Please. Maybe my best performance of the year was one of, I'll say unparalleled discipline this weekend at the Greek Festival. Ooh. It's been discussed on this program before that this is probably my That's a big event. Here it's in my town. weakest moment of the year. <laughs> it is right up there, I would say on par with a good Oktoberfest. Okay. Are the culinary mistakes that I am prone to make at a Greek festival. So what's your weakness? Well, I'll say this year it was once again the Baklava Sunday. Okay. It crippled me. Uh-huh. But frankly, that didn't stop me from going back. <laughs> but in a show of overwhelming fortitude, discipline, and I think the onlookers would add courage, I held myself to single helpings on all of the main courses. That is mighty brave of you. Well, I have to say I'm kind of disappointed because I saw on Strava that you were doing that. 
and I was looking forward to potentially having some leftovers here. No, no. no but we're even sitting if, here with some shoes and... <laughs> yeah, you're in the midst of shoeboxes. Yeah. Phil, even if I had lost all control, there wouldn't have been leftovers. Oh, so don't, don't kid yourself. <laughs> but I am not going to lie to our audience. I, I'll say I overindulged on the Baklava Sunday, but I'm only eating it once a year. It's true. And... What the heck? Why not? Got to enjoy yourself. Yeah, it was fantastic. So I uh, just well, great events. on a good performance. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I I was told that the age group medal will be getting mailed to me okay. from the folks at the Greek festival. Nice. Yeah, I appreciate their support of the program. <laughs> Let's get into the races. Okay. All right. I completed the Lilac Bloomsday 12K run in Spokane, Washington, on May first. Phil, you were in. I don't. Is Todd actually the hometown in North Carolina of the race? It's Brownwood. Yeah, Brownwood. But okay. It's small town area just outside of Boone, so it's all these uh, crossings that near Fleetwood, near Todd, yeah. near Brownwood. So call it Boone. God's country from oh, the it's photos. Beautiful. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You were racing a marathon. Yep. And we're going to go through the good, the bad, the ugly, and uh, what you can expect if you choose to race either of these events. Phil's event is a much smaller, yeah. let's say, intimate affair. In It's a community race. Yeah, that's, that's well yeah. said. And uh, while my event that I participated in in Spokane also is a huge community event, it pulls in elites from all over and tens of thousands yeah. of runners, one of the biggest road races in the country. So we're at very different ends of the spectrum on that, different ends of the spectrum on distance. But I, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and say, I think we both would recommend each event very highly. 100%. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get into your race yeah. first, Phil. So I guess nitty gritty or the, or the, uh, the details, you, know, you mentioned it's a kind of a small community event, probably two to 300 runners. There's a half as part of it. There's a 5K as part of it, but it's a pretty low key event. That being said, though, it is as professionally run as you could hope for. Mm -hmm. um, the, the race director that puts it on also does the Blue Ridge Relay and a few other big-time events, so he really knows what he's doing. The packet pickup that the night before and that morning is easy to navigate. It's pretty low-key, so you walk up, you get your number, you get a T-shirt, and, and you just kind of hang out for a little bit. But the course is it's well-marked. There's mile markers every mile. Uh, it's well, it's really well supported. There's water stops every two miles or so with Gatorade and water. There are gels along the course, probably every four to six miles or so. That's nice for a small race. Yeah. So for a low key event, that's a, uh, that's fantastic. And, and it's, uh, there were some fast guys that showed up. I think it was one in like two forty five, but by a master's runner. 47. Saw, yeah. When I looked had, at the results in two forty five. On this course, on this day, right? I think it was a very strong yes. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get to more of, of that. Yeah. So, but, so even though it's kind of small, there, there's always people around you. You know, maybe not you know huge groups of dozens that you can run with and pace with, uh, but there's always people around. So you're never really by yourself. You know, the roads are not closed, but it's really lightly trafficked roads. Roads are in fantastic condition. Nice smooth asphalt. They're, they're level, so you really don't have to worry about traffic too much. Uh, there's not that many fans out on the course. Yeah. You're kind of out in rural uh, western North Carolina. But occasionally some folks will come out and sit in their driveway and cheer you on. Which that is, is cool. Which is cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's uh, the second time I've done this one. So I would I would definitely recommend it. All right. So 
let's uh, break down then how the event played out for you in your experience during the race. Yeah. Um. So really going in, the the big concern was the weather. Um, yeah. And really that was kind of the question even when I signed up for it back earlier in the spring because, you know, mid-May really can be hit or miss you know, up around there. Uh, and that was kind of the, the challenge for the day, which we may get into a little bit later. But the week before, I started watching the weather and they were calling for for a significant amount of rain, potential thunder showers, which would just have made for a not fun experience. Yeah. So the couple of days leading in, that was the big concern was that we were just going to be soaked. But then come race day, it rained a little bit that night, but rain stopped by the time the, the gun went off. And the first the first half of the race was perfect, 52, 55 degrees or so, um, overcast, not raining. So the roads were a little bit wet, but it was really comfortable. Uh, but then the second half of the race was where it kind of came apart with you know, the sun came out, and which heated up the roads. So you had a lot of the steam coming off yeah. the roads, really warmed up a pretty good bit. I think it... You know, the high that day or while we were out on course was maybe 70 degrees Yeah, or so. I, I did look at it on the hour by hour, yeah. and it was up to – while you were racing, and it probably would have been warmer for people farther back, it was up into the 70s. Yeah. The first text you sent me, uh, uh, just your quick overview of the race, and that's all that you've shared with me, that was my response to you. Uh, I looked at this weather about when I knew you would be on the course, yeah. and what had looked like thunderstorms were going to be our concern seemed like it was – becoming more optimistic forecast. Right. Like everything indicated we're going to stay at most in maybe the upper fifties to right. 60. And that's right on that threshold where I think you can really so run fast. A little bit warm, but still has potential to go fast. Yes. Yeah. And you're right. As I watched that hour by hour while you were running, when that sun came out, yeah. boom, it immediately ticked up to close to 70 degrees. Yeah. And even that morning before we're kind of looking at the radar Primarily hoping the rain would clear by the time the the gun went off, but really not concerned that the you know the sun would come out. And yeah. We get you know, halfway through the thing, and you know the sun comes out, and we just started cooking. Which really, I think that was the the biggest challenge. And that you know, I've had maybe three to five runs that have been over seventy degrees. So yeah. really not not adapted to it because but, you are generally a morning yeah, runner, especially morning. for workouts. Yeah. So. Although we're in a place that is typically warmer than where you raced, right. which is would seem like it's good, just right. a good setup. Which if we would have had the weather that they had up there, you know, the Tuesday before, oh, right. would have been yeah. absolutely perfect. I did go back and look at historical weather data mm -hmm. for, for this race when it's been in the spring. Yeah. Remind me, Phil, what it was like last fall when you oh, were... Oh, it was perfect. It th was, that was my assumption. Yeah, it was, a, it was a COVID year last year, so they moved it from the spring to the fall. So it was... Gosh, I can't remember what the temperature was, but I know I I wore a singlet and shorts, but had gloves on, so probably mid forties. Yeah, yeah. Um, so might have gotten up into the mid fifties by the finish of the race. Yeah, um, that's but spot last on. Last fall was ideal. Yeah, when you look at the historical temperature data, re remove precipitation for the spring event. To me, it seems you're looking at about a two in five chance. Yeah. Of of really favorable racing weather yep, i think that's fair. Uh, at about 40 percent shot it, it looks about 60 percent of the time you're riding that line of this might be too warm for optimal yeah. racing conditions part of the hope you get like you said days before and even a few of the like if you look at the weather coming up yeah. there uh being at three thousand plus feet elevation 
at this time of year. There's still hope that you yep. can get that. But you had to pivot a bit because the original thought was Myrtle Beach. Yeah, the original plan some was work stuff, life stuff. Spring. Yeah, it so wasn't this was work. kind of a looking at the calendars. This was really like the last chance spring marathon for the southeast. Yeah, um, you know that. We're kind of done with marathon season until the fall. You know, outside of going up to, you know, traveling to grandmas or somewhere yeah. further, further up north. Uh, but for local races in the southeast, this was kind of the last one. All right. So take us through how that weather impacted your race, what your pacing looked like, how you felt, all those variables. Yeah. So really to begin with, the pacing felt comfortable. You know, the plan was... I guess the goal was really a sub 315. Mm-hmm. Ended up not being the day for that, but had uh, two friends that I went out with that we were all kind of, we'd done a lot of running together. We were pretty similar in terms of what we were doing in workouts. Yeah, I'm a little bit faster than Dean generally, but that's, he's a little <laughs> bit older. And, so, <laughs> uh, um, we're going to kind of see what happened. I take it easy on my son in law. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, we had a, a good group of the three of us that, kind of we're on the same page and we're going to take it out uh, comfortably you know the first handful of miles were at 730 and really just kind of ticked off 730s the most of the course is pretty flat there's a little bit of a bump up around mile four and a half uh, that maybe you might lose 15 20 seconds on then you come back down and you definitely regain the time there and then through about eight and a half miles it's flat again so the course kind of it's a it's road that just goes along the new river so it's yeah. really flat and then around eight mile eight to nine is a pretty significant climb then it comes back down on a pretty you know significant downhill which you probably don't make up quite the time you lose on the climb and then from mile nine to mile 18 is pretty flat as well you know the course is kind of a double lollipop so you go out a mile make a big loop to about mile Let's call it mile 10. Then you come back, go past the start-finish line. That always sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's early. So it's mile 11 or so. So it's early enough where it's like, okay, I still got some more work was to do. Was the sun out yet at that point? It was just starting to come the out. The hints of yeah. what was ahead. So we really were rolling seven, you know, looking through Strava, 725 to 732 pace, just clicking them off comfortably as you should be in a marathon yeah. that's a reminder to everyone it should feel easy at that yep. point no the, the really the the race plan and we had talked about this the sunday before was to you know go out easy for the first couple of miles it was and, conservative yeah yeah and you know that's what it was the first four and you know none of us really felt like we were ready to knock it out of the park that day so we just kind of stayed on at 7 30s and yeah you know for the most part felt comfortable in mile 13 the sun started to come out and to me, it started to feel like we were pushing a little bit. And so I, I eased off the pace a little bit. Dean got a half step ahead of me. He kind of sat there for a little bit. We we're still rolling at that same pace. In mile 16, I pulled off to, to get a Gatorade. It was the one aid station that wasn't directly on the road. You had to come off the road a couple yards. Okay. Um, so just swung out to get a little bit of Gatorade. He got a little bit of a gap. Kent stayed with me. And we really continued to click 730s or so till maybe about 16, 17 or so. But really at that point, that was, we were pushing too hard. Yeah. Um, so the effort level has changed even yeah. if the paces remain yep. constant. Yep. And really the, the challenging part on this course is that there's a climb probably from mile 18 to 19 and a half that is just brutal. It's yeah. beautiful. That's tough timing um, for it. But it's steep. It? Yeah. So. You know, the whole race, you kind of have that in your mind that you know, even though it's flat and this pace feels easy, 
you know, you're going to feel different at 20 miles. And then you also have that climb to get over. Yeah. So really that's kind of when it just, it really just fell apart. Uh, so we walked up the, the hill a good bit. Um, was there any muscular issue or was this more of just a, the fatigue is setting in, the heat is setting in, uh, I'm working too hard. No, it, it was the latter. Just was yeah. really working too hard. Fatigue was just kind of setting in. No real issues with cramping or anything at that point, but just starting to get that like deep tiredness. Yeah. And at each stop, I was taking Gatorade, a couple sips. Um, every 30 minutes, I was taking a gel. Uh, so really tried hard to kind of stay on top of the nutrition thing. But then kind of coming up that climb, I knew that the you know the fatigue was setting in. I, I walked a little bit just to kind of change gears and get a little bit of different muscle activation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then coming down the hill... You know, it's, it's pretty steep descending too. So it's not really a good place to make up time. Yeah. That's um, tough. Yeah. And I, I was still with Kent Dean had gone on up ahead, you know, probably had a few minutes at that point. Uh, I was hoping he would still come back to me at some yeah, point. But yeah. It, coming down the hill, I'd started to get a little bit of a cramp in the hamstring. Had a little bit of a flashback from last year. The same yeah, exact remember, spot yeah. where that hamstring was grabbing on me. Uh, so stop for a moment to stretch that out a little bit. And then shuffle down the, the backside. And then from then, it, it was just fatigue. And we can kind of talk about where, you know, some training issues that I yep. might have done differently that I think probably contributed. You know, I'm interested to your insight as well. Yeah. And then you come down off the hill, mile 21, and then you finish the lollipop and have about five miles, maybe a 10K, um, back to the start finish. And that last bit didn't really have any issues with cramping, but just the legs were just battered and did not have yeah. the the strength to kind of hold pace. Um, yeah. So just faded pretty hard and shuffled in. Okay. So what grade first would you give yourself for the race? Yeah, I would say, and that's tough, probably a C minus. Okay. Yeah. I think I had a, a good race strategy going in, eh, maybe a little bit better than that. Cause I think I had a, you know, a really solid training cycle. Uh, I had a really good plan that I stuck to. I think conditions I was not quite prepared for. And with the training I had and the fitness I thought I had going in, I thinking about what I would do differently, I'd probably do the same thing over again. Yeah. You know what? If I were to grade your performance, I would be a little kinder and yeah. gentler because the stuff that was out of your control certainly bit yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some that was within our control that we have to consider and address moving forward. I think you set yourself up well yeah. to to do what you could well and and thinking kind of overall fitness you know going into it i was probably as fit as i have been in a long long time yeah so i was confident i felt like i was prepared but i think conditions really just hadn't had the opportunity to train for them what would you give the race itself as a grade that entire operation of what they do there oh, a plus a plus yeah. and so and so what are the the highlights the two or three best things about it for somebody who wants to run there or is considering it yeah. the next spring no I, I think number one is the scenery yeah it is an absolutely gorgeous part of the country it's a you know the course goes through just some beautiful areas you know it's it, you know they call it the new river marathon the I think the headwaters of the New River aren't too far from there, but you know it's just single lane country roads that just go along the the side of the river. You, know, you got yeah. beautiful mountains on either side. You know, spring had, you know we were in the high country there, so spring had just started to come, so some flowers are blooming, and uh, it's just absolutely gorgeous. You know, the race organization itself they do it was top notch. Not a huge race, so there's not a lot of headaches in terms of 
you know, navigating an expo. Yeah, all or those logistics. Like yeah, all those logistic things are not a big deal. You know, it's at a you know, the start and finish is at a cool little restaurant by the side of the river. You know, it's it's all kind of out in the just a grass field. Uh, it's a cool place to just kind of hang out before and after the race. Yeah, the the basic things like porta potties they have you know more than enough of that. You know, the cookies at the end were oh on yeah point. What was the flavor? Oh, all kinds. Snickerdoodle, chocolate chip. Oh, that feels like somewhere I oh, should have been. Oatmeal raisin. Yeah. I think between so, the group of us that went, we probably took down a couple dozen. Well, <laughs> I mean, hey, you, you were with our guy, Kyle. Oh, I, I bet he, he made did some, some damage. Yeah, that, that guy. Yeah. The big cat. That's right. Feels like a good combination of some big city logistics yeah. the, with the small town feel. Yep, and those absolutely. are some of the best races. For a person who just loves to run. Yeah. This definitely would be... a. a on the list for me, one I would consider doing, but maybe I'll ask your opinion here if you agree. Is it perhaps best approached as a great experience, a beautiful course, rather than put all my eggs in the basket for this year, this is the place where I want to go run a PR? 100%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a great place to go to run a good time. I think if you look at like some of the marathon grades, you probably lose three to four five minutes or so because of the yeah. climbing. I think elevation total is like 800 feet or so. And that's really over two two main climbs. The rest of it's pretty flat. Uh, so it's certainly not a, a PR course. But I would argue perhaps the weather is as or more yeah. a factor yep. than those climbs. Yeah. Uh, because just as an example that people are more familiar with, take Boston on the great weather days at a tailwind versus Boston on yeah. the hottest of hot days. Yeah. And it can go from a dream to a nightmare. When you look at the historical data, those weather conditions are often somewhat yeah. similar between yeah. those two races. Yeah, I, th I think it's a good course where you can go and run a good time. I don't know if it's a place to go and swing for the fences. You know, especially if you're trying to run at some of those faster times, you may or may not have many people to run yeah, with. Yeah, not much depth. You're doing yeah, all the work so yourself. You're kind of out on your own. But for a, a place to go run a beautiful race. You know, we rented yeah. an Airbnb, you know, cabin. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere that was beautiful. So yeah. just to make a fun weekend of, oh, it's a fantastic race. That's great. What would you give yourself for a grade for the training cycle, which I, I guess is probably most of 2022 so far? Yeah, for the most part. Um, Man, that's a good question. Actually, one I was going to give you since you've been writing the workouts. Well, I have um, a grade for ready for you, so I'll answer, but I'd like you to go first. No, I, I reflection think is, is a good thing. In terms of my overall execution with what I did, I would say probably an A to an A minus. Mm -hmm. You know, we started working together at the end of February or so. And Which really... suggests I deserve all the blame for this. <laughs> I mean, why not? That's right. Oh, well, I was cursing you around mile 19 or so. I bet you were. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, but I, in terms of overall execution, yeah, I did probably 90, 95% of the work. Mm -hmm. you know, there was one weekend that I think late March where I, I didn't get a long run in, you know, but the little stuff I was on top of in terms of doing the strides, doing the strength work, uh, and as well having that accountability of knowing that you were looking at what I was doing. You know, yeah. I didn't have some of the days that I've had with past cycles of just not feeling like it and, you know, taking a zero day versus getting out and doing something. Yeah. Um, as well, I think one of the, really one of the fun things about this too, is just sharing the miles, particularly with Dean and a lot of you guys just kind of building up to it, Yeah. you know, having that accountability, but also that friendship to know that somebody's waiting for you at five thirty that's going to do the work together with you. Yeah, that it's a beautiful you're gonna, thing. Yeah. It's, it's 
that was really what was kind of special about this whole this whole cycle is not to not only just to go up with some friends and do the race, but to to work together towards this common common event with with some friends. I would give you probably about in that ninety percent range yeah. would be my score. There were a lot of days that you said when you might have taken a zero before, or you might have just taken twenty or thirty minutes, where you really consistently did work in about that hour range yeah. of easy running. And I believe you're going to see the fruits of that down the road yeah. more than you did here. Yep. Uh, this the consistency is going to build. I'll hold my next comment and let you go first on yeah. this. Then what do you think were perhaps the missing elements or yeah. what we might need to work on? I have a few thoughts. No, I think the the first – I wrote down a few thoughts earlier today and, and yesterday kind of just processing the race. And really the, the first one is the lack of volume of the, the longer runs. Yeah, I'm you know, with I, you. That I, was on my short list. Yeah, I, you know, I consistently was getting in those two-hour runs, you know, 15, 16 miles, and even some workouts kind of over that duration. But through this cycle, you know, if I look at the past – Six really sixteen weeks. You know, I had one run that was a nineteen mile or two and a half hours. I had one run that was two hours and fifteen. But beyond that, that was it. Whereas mm-hmm. previous cycles, I've you know not that they've gone any more successfully, but I've you know had three twenty milers. Yeah, and I think that was really where I was lacking those last six miles, and that just the legs were just battered. So even though I wasn't necessarily low on energy, I was. I was tired, but just the structurally being able to handle that impact over that distance. You know, I think I was lacking a little bit there. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the other thing, and I'm curious on your perspective of this is just some longer workouts, not even running, but like on the bike mm-hmm. of doing some work, you know, three to four hours or so where mm-hmm. you, you aren't able to go kind of that duration on your feet, but you know, something where your metabolism's cranking for that, mm-hmm. you know, that length of time. To the long runs. I agree with you. But also, we tried to set this up thinking longer term than this race. Right. And getting a lot of consistent two-hour runs in is such a great thing. Yeah. You're right, though. Given your pace for this amount of miles and how long it's going to take you to be on the course, even to run really, really well, doing some stuff that's more than two hours is significant. Right. In some ways, what we did is what I would love to see at the beginning of a really good marathon cycle, uh, where you you plant those seeds of two-hour runs, and then everything blossoms later on, and you get this, the success that you get in running two hours faster, steadier, or perhaps longer than two hours more yeah. consistently is it's a, a reward that you reap based on what you had sown three months earlier. Right. Well, I think to be fair too, this was a, you know, a pretty compressed cycle. For sure. In terms of us working together and kind of the opportunity to, to put together a marathon plan. And it, I kind of handicapped you a little bit with some weekends that I had you know, either other races or other events where, sure, you know, it, it was tough to to put in those two and a half hour runs, and all the times that you have to run up Paris Mountain. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know, thinking of where my fitness is for you know shorter stuff is much stronger than it probably has ever been. Yeah, but yeah, that's great. You know, that last half hour, forty five minutes of being able to hold that, I think, still needs a little bit of work. Yeah, to your point uh, on the bike, that's an interesting thought. I like it from a perspective of the metabolic 
aspect. But it doesn't bring us the muscle uh, impacts, right? right? You know, riding a bike is one, a low impact event, and two, working different muscles than you use when you marathon. With that said, we don't always want to put all those muscles in a state of fatigue on every long run. That's deleterious as well. And, right. and we don't want to get into a huge calorie deficit. So you got to be really smart about your fueling and, and space out those hardest long runs. I actually had the same thought, but I'm going to twist it a little bit. And some of this is probably just biased to what you know and what people who have listened to us before know that I find incredibly valuable. We could create a shift to... More hill work and hilly long runs. Some more Parish Mountains. And, well, <laughs> perhaps in, in a way that develops that skill for you yeah. to resist that neuromuscular fatigue more. It's more specific. Yep. That is something that I look at for the future that yeah. even if it's two to two and a half hours in a long run and it's not super hard, but are we getting on a consistently hilly route? Right. Uh, are we getting in more hill reps within our sessions during the week? I think that's an opportunity because okay. that is, that is a functional, as we talked about in the looking at what elite runners do, yeah. it's event-specific strength. Right. And uh, as we fatigue during the marathon, particularly beyond the two-hour mark, I see a lot of value for you there because even though you've done some strength running on Paris Mountain consistently for a couple of years, there's not a lot of other hill work that's been in your program. No, I think that's fair. And looking at kind of the – even the long runs that I did through this cycle, for the most part, they were pretty flat. Yeah. So there wasn't a ton of, ton of incline in there, so – Particularly as applies to the course you ran. But I also believe this translates to even somewhat flatter courses, particularly early in a a training cycle. Yeah. Any other last thoughts? Maybe there were um, some sessions that you really enjoyed or things that you thought were best or or what's next? Yeah. Love to hear that. So, so, so let's wrap up New River with a few other thoughts. No, so a couple of the, the key sessions that I really enjoyed. We did several rounds of, you know, repeat, you know, three minute. Uh, mm-hmm. intervals. You know, we didn't really do much track work, but we did a lot of effort-based time intervals, which I, I enjoy doing that as much as going out to the track. But there were probably two or three workouts of those, so it was cool to see some progress kind of repeated through those mm-hmm. six by three minutes, seven by three minute kind of workouts. The one that I thought really went well was you had me do a four by eight minutes workout probably two to three weeks out or so. That felt like just really strong with and that was kind of the the last big workout, I would say, but also the last one where it's like, all right, the, the fitness is coming around. Like, I'm this yeah. is where it needs to be. One workout that we did early in the cycle you know, that we need to come back to later because I need a second shot at this, but was a 10 minutes at half marathon effort. And then uh, I wrote it down here. Then it's mm-hmm. five by K. I want to say it was at, at 10K. Yeah, 10K effort. And that was just tough. And really, it was kind of early on working together and previously the workouts that I would do for myself was a lot of work at one specific intensity. So maybe, you know, I've talked about like the 20 minute thresholds or four by four minutes at 10 K pace or something like that, where the whole workout, you're really just trying to groove one pace. So learning to shift gears like that was, was really challenging. And then really just the, the variety of the workouts I enjoyed typically with how we structured it, it was, you know, Mondays would be an easy run generally would be strides. You know, Tuesday would be a workout, which 
you know, when you when you'd send me the plan, I'd curse you a little bit because I'm like, I don't even have time for that. Like, <laughs> this is just going to be brutal. And as I'm kind of organizing it, and figuring out how how it works, it's like, oh, that's that jerk. He it actually fits with exactly the time. <laughs> With um, none to spare. Yeah. You know, Wednesday, Thursday would usually be, uh, you know, sometimes an off day. Wednesday was usually a, a weightlifting day. Thursday was 45 minutes to an hour, kind of easy. Friday, sometimes similar, sometimes a trip up Paris Mountain, and then a, a weekend long run, and then another easy run. It's really just the variety and kind of working different paces anywhere from, we did some work faster than 10K pace with like strides and, and hill repeats and that sort of thing but up to, you know, marathon pace towards the end. Um, so just the variety and the creativity was really a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a conversation I recently had with someone about even if we're working the same stimulus yeah. over and over within a cycle, creating some variety and changing the length of the repetition. So in, in your case, you talked about three minutes was something yep. we went to several times. But but that doesn't mean I would recommend doing X number by three minutes every week at that same effort. Right. It, there's both mental and physical value from alternating it and making it perhaps four minutes, uh, perhaps two, whatever it is to suit just some, some changing one times within your sessions and also some landscapes. If yeah. you can get to some different places to run, I think yeah. that has value as well. Well, and really, I think my other big takeaway is just how much fun this stuff is. Yeah. Where, oh, yeah. You know, even, That's why we're doing it. Yeah. Even though the goal is, you know, you want to go run this race, you potentially want to do this certain time. And, and that's kind of been a weakness of mine. Is it always just chasing a certain time versus you know, just kind of going out and seeing what happens. But we just had so much fun just going out with friends. Yeah. You know, we, uh, there's a group of us that rented a cabin, you know, went up Friday afternoon, hung out together, you know, did the race and then sitting around drinking a beer to Saturday afternoon, just rehashing the race and yeah. you know, laughing at each other, trying to go up and down the stairs yeah. um, and just hanging out. You know, it really, Reminded me that that's where the focus needs to be. It's like, enjoy yourself, focus on the relationships, you know, have experiences, and not necessarily to get hung up and tied in on trying to hit a certain performance. And with the work that you've done this cycle, and that I know you'll do going forward, that, that performance piece will come. Yeah. There's no question if you continue to uh, excel in that process. Cool. Thank you, Phil. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Lilac Bloomsday 12k run in Spokane, Washington. You have refused to tell me anything about this since yeah. you came back. It's a great event. I, you know a little bit about the history. Yeah. This is a race now, uh, 45-ish years old. Yeah. They had to skip some events that went virtual over the past couple of years. So I believe that they missed each of the last two years because yep. the timing, it was like very beginning of the yeah. pandemic. One of the first ones canceled. This is the race that takes us back to American great distance runner Don Cardone uh -huh. of the mid-70s. Great rider, too. Absolutely. 1976 Olympian at Montreal in yep. the marathon. Fourth place finisher. Fourth place. Third best runner there. We won't dive too deeply into <laughs> the PEDs that we later on know the winner uh -huh. was on. But Don Cardone came back to his home of Spokane, Washington, which has a great running culture. If you look at cross-country history in that region. Yeah. There's some great oh, runners and great teams that have come out of there. Jerry Lindgren came out of there? Th that is a great example of when you would talk about a high mileage guy. Right. Cardon came home and uh, wanted to bring that type of energy and enthusiasm 
back to town and they set out a course that was not originally quite 12k that I don't remember the year but that did get adjusted to get spot on 12k to get a route that gives you a taste of the best of Spokane it 100% lives up to that hype as a great route as nice. somewhat as you said it might not be the best place to go run your yeah. personal best for 12k but it's a fantastic course. It's got incredible history. You look at early winners here, uh, names like Frank Shorter and Bill Rogers, and guys have been on that course, Henry Rono, more recently Steve Monaghetti, yeah. just some greats, and it still pulls in elites from around the world. Well, let me ask you this. Why did you... How did this end up on your calendar? Yeah, so I was going to come to that later, but let's okay. skip to it now. Uh, I have a, a short bucket list of really traditional events that are actually non-traditional now nice. because everything has uh -huh. shifted to as i see it uh, road racing has shifted largely to an emphasis on the 5k half marathon yep. and marathon yep. and which is really unfortunate i, I agree yeah. and there's a ton of training but like 12k is a great training distance yeah. too i wanted to check off this race on the bucket list I was unable to go back this year to Gate River Run in Jacksonville, mm -hmm. 15K, which is another race on that list that I've now done multiple times, times right? and absolutely just love. And the schedule, I was signed up for it, but it just didn't work out. And so I thought, well, I now have a gap before a half marathon in June. I'd like to race something. This just fit perfectly nice. and decided it's a great excuse to go out on a vacation to the Pacific Northwest, yeah. spend a few days Went over to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho on oh, the man. lake later. Just gorgeous, you know, absolutely beautiful, breathtaking spots there. It had an incredible trail run there right along the lake yeah, afterwards. The you put it up. was so, yeah. so cool. A little two mile loop in a park right now along the lake. Now I'm getting way off, but there's actually a, um, a rail to trail, sorry, old uh, rail trail that's now a bike trail, running trail that actually connects all the way from Spokane across the border into Idaho and becomes the, I believe it's called the Northern Idaho Centennial Trail. Oh, how cool. And it runs along the road next to the lake for an extended period of time, wow. which would be a really neat training yeah. spot for sure. So yeah, that's how it got on the list. That list it would also include, I hope for in the future, eventually the uh, Falmouth Road Race in nice. Cape Cod uh -huh. in the summer is an event I've always wanted to run. And one that I, I haven't done also would be the uh, Cherry Blossom 10 miler in nice. DC. Uh -huh. So some distances that are not what is focused on now, but that I think have great history and would love to run. So there's more on that list, but that was the biggest reason I nice. wanted to, okay. to check this box. To give you an idea of how seriously this town takes the race, there are permanent road signs for this course. No kidding. You know, you got street signs up, right, where you see uh -huh. you're turning on, like, we stayed at Maine and Monroe as the intersection we stayed at. But on the course at those street signs, it will say, Lilac Bloomsday Course with an arrow forward every so often. And every mile marker, as well as the 10-kilometer marker, yeah. is permanently marked on the road with the street cool. sign. So neat and rare, and it gives it a feel to some degree of something you would see, like at a Boston, yeah, you know, yeah. when they mark those in the and paint those in the road. This is often an event with tens of thousands of people. We've seen it be as big as 50,000, 60,000 people before. Uh, numbers down, as you see with most of the road mm -hmm. races coming back, while there is hunger to get back out on the course. There's also still a large group of people who are not quite right. yet ready to race. So I believe with a few thousand virtual runners, it 
uh, totaled up to 34,000 runners okay. this year. So still a good event. Yeah. But, but as I talked with people working on the course before and after, it, it was definitely a smaller event than they've seen and a, a little more relaxed event. Interesting. But it provided great opportunities. For example, the guy, I, w- I was fortunate enough to get a bib to be up a- at the front. And the guy who was kind of holding a rope in that area was able to bring his kids up with him so they could see that part of it that they'd oh, never man. been able to yeah, see before. See and they had their own bibs in a color that was back for like one of the walking categories. Uh-huh. And he said, they're going to stay here with me for this and see all this. And then when their color comes up, they're going to get in and they're going to walk the, oh, the course. Awesome. So, And this is an event that is staged over like an hour plus uh-huh. of people actually starting. When I've, I finished and there were people who had not started yet. Wow. Uh, just given the size and with the, the walking division at the back yep. in a totally different color. Uh, so with, you may get to this, but with, yeah. and I know you kind of had a preferred bib, but with that many people racing a kind of effort you are, give us some insight in terms of how you navigate being that close to people around you, finding open spaces, how you approach kind of the start to a crowd like that. Yeah, it was it was a great setup for me in that uh, there was a small group of professional runners on the line, and then they created a space of uh, 10 meters at the most. Mm-hmm that I was then in the front of and then they dropped the rope for that as soon as they lined up the professionals. So I could just kind of come right behind the pros and uh, let's be honest, they're taking off quicker than I am. And so I would say I only spent about two to 300 meters navigating people because you always have the people who shoot off really hard. Maybe this was a mistake, but I stick to my general guidance that comes from big city marathons more than anything of don't fight with people at the yeah. beginning. Just sit back and let it go. And and the reason I say maybe that was a mistake is I believe the first stretch of the race overall was a bit of a mistake for me. Okay. I could have gotten out harder. Yeah. It's a flat first mile, then a, a slight but rather long downhill in the second mile. And I really should have gotten out knowing that I could have caught myself, caught okay. my breath on that downhill before I went into the first set of hills. Yeah. And I also had a mental math issue. I just totally failed in thinking that yeah, I ran just a shade over 41 minutes. Okay. And in thinking that under 41 would be 17.15 per 5K, which was math that I did during the race. Oh, that's at, higher level calculus which, at that point. Right. Was when I knew beforehand it was 17.05 was what you needed per uh-huh. 5K. And uh, I got to the 5K mat in like 17.13 or something and thought to myself, well, I'm right on what I want right to be. Well, no, I wasn't. I was behind. I was yeah. behind. Yeah. And you have a significant climb. Uh, up uh, at the fifth mile, trying to make up that time mm-hmm. was a huge task when in reality, I probably could have gotten out harder, settled in a bit, yeah. settled in through the climb. But the, the difficulty with the climb is you come out of it and it's flat. You don't okay. come back down. You're now flat till... 7.3, okay, 7.4, right almost the, the very yeah. end. You get a downhill the last... 150 meters, okay. 200 meters, but to come off of that and then run flat and to run the longest stretch of the race between the 10K mark and past the seven mile mark. Uh-huh. To do the math for everyone, 12K, if you're not familiar, seven is about and seven a and a half miles yeah. from just before 10K, I guess it would have been till after, well after seven miles is a straight stretch. 
no turns, which okay. generally no turns is great. Yeah. But at that point, when you're fatigued coming off the hill and just looking at that same target and there's a big defeating. county courthouse building and knowing like, oh man, it's so far away still yeah. as I'm trying to press and trying to work with a couple guys around me. That was, that was a big challenge. Okay. Um, o- overall, I was a few seconds slower than I would have liked to have been. But with that said, when I look at the course and I look at what people around me did versus what they've done on other courses. Uh, several of the professional women who were at the front were right near me. Yeah. And so those are easy comparisons to having then run half marathons big, they've half done marathons, this year. Yeah. And and when I look at that stuff, I start to think, ah, maybe I was a, a little better than I want to give myself credit for immediately. Yeah. Uh, it was a good race. I mean, I won my age group in a really, nice. really big yeah. race. So you can't be all down on it. But uh, I would say it was about a, a B plus performance. Okay. And I would say on a recommendation of this race, it's an A minus. Okay. I would. And you know what? In fact, I will go as far to say as I hope to go back and do it again. I was going to ask, is this something, I know it's a bucket list thing. So oftentimes that's like, okay, let's go do it. Let's experience it. But then it's like, well, would you do it again? Yeah. Even though it's across the country that travel, all those factors, I I highly recommend it. Nice. I give it an A minus because to me, the biggest drawback is a 9 a.m. start. Uh, I'd much rather start earlier. Yeah. Especially from the East Coast, it's really probably like a oh noontime race. No, I was up so early. I set a six AM alarm and I was out and about before that happened. Especially in Spokane this time of year. The sun's coming up at like around five. Mm -hmm. So that's naturally waking you up. It's not like you need to start that late with concerns for the weather, although it is typically cool in the mornings there. I had Perhaps an unfortunate timing as you had with the night before I went to bed. They're telling me the low is going to be 37. Okay. It's going to be probably about 47 when we race. Oh, perfect. Sounds like it, doesn't it? I wake up at five, whatever. It's already 50 degrees. Something isn't working here. Yeah. And the sun is out, which was unexpected. It was the warmest, sunniest gap of my entire five, six days out there (laughs) was this hour of the Uh race when I would not consider it hot uh, because there's the humidity is not the same. So it was okay, but we were in the sixties and that's definitely warmer than I prefer. And when you're just out in the open, that gets hot. So would I like to start at seven, six? Yes, I'd love to. Would I be willing to start at eight? Sure. I understand that works for everybody better. Nine feels a little late, but I also know when you have the tradition they have, you're not changing right. that because some guy from the East Coast wants you to. That would maybe be the one thing that would make it more of an A-plus race okay. because logistics were fantastic. Easy check-in at the day before at the convention center. Nice. The morning of, the way they organized the gates to get in and out was super easy. I had an area to warm up and I could get in and the timing was fantastic. We stayed real close to the start finish line as well. Um, that was only an issue when afterwards so many of the roads in town were still closed uh, and yeah, getting out get there. Yeah, was, was kind of difficult. The course itself took you through some beautiful natural areas and you saw the city. Really a racer's race. Nice. It's not a place to go to time trial. It's a place to go to compete. It's well, a place it's to a go with history. It's kind of off, so it's not yes. comparison comparing. I had no clue. You know, your previous twelve k PR. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Right. I think the only place it would matter is if I went back there again. Yeah. I would have a goal to compare, and I would have a much better understanding of how to attack the course. They they take the hill seriously. They they build the hill up. It, it's called Doomsday Hill, okay. and they put a timing mat at the bottom and the top, ah, and give you. So a split splits. just uh-huh. up the hill. 
the way they execute the race and the way the city, I mean, everywhere I went to eat during the weekend, before and after, it's Bloomsday weekend. Yeah. And they are, they know it. They're excited about it. They're extra staffed for it at all the restaurants. Nice. And, and, and even they noticed it. Yeah, we're very, very busy, but we've been more busy in yeah. these years when we've had 40, 50, 60,000 people here. We're excited you're here, here and we're going to take yeah, care of you. absolutely. And I think a mid-sized city of that, uh-huh. like Spokane, understands and appreciates the value of that race and what it's meant to them in the national running scene for decades yeah. into their economy, yep. I'm sure. Well, it, let me ask you this. You talked please. about kind of the start and how well organized that was. What was your approach for a race like this in terms of warming up and mm-hmm. you know, kind of that initial I uh, believe getting I prepared? I may have gotten there a little earlier than I needed to because I didn't realize how easy it was going to be for yeah. me to get up to the front. I, I was a bit concerned given the size of the race. They told me at check-in, the elite coordinator was there, and he told me, he said, it's going to be a breeze, but you're still a little nervous. Yeah. But I was able to do some warm-up just a block over near where the finish area is, and then just get right in. And so I didn't change my normal routine. I did my normal routine. I executed that well. It just started a little bit earlier maybe than it needed to. Just a few minutes. But on the other side, in other recent races, I've gone the other direction and pushed it too close. The engine was a little too hot when I got to the line. But part of that is probably because of just how much time I had that morning and how early I woke up. And I was just excited to get going and it just that was the biggest thing for me i was so excited to do this race and i was so excited afterward that i did this nice. race to to your point about what is really significant it was so much fun yeah it was so so much fun your parents went out with you too they right? did well they met me out there okay. yeah they they flew out and we met in washington and that's an area my dad had always wanted to visit so nice. i sent him a text a few months ago and said are you interested and like Boom, immediately. Yeah. Why not? Let's do it. And so it, that was really cool to share. And, and they were excited in the performance. And, and frankly, when I look back at it, perhaps the biggest thing I could take away in the buildup is I just needed to race. I yeah. It's been a while. I had only raced twice in a year. <laughs> uh-huh. And of course, not at this distance. I'm really glad I did this before getting into a half marathon. It actually adds to my confidence of what I can do at grandma's in a... A more favorable course. We'll see what the weather yeah. happens. Duluth, fingers crossed, probably a better chance than maybe staying in the south like you did. Right. But it's probably not going to be the weather I had in Spokane, where it's generally really favorable. That might be the thing that I needed to improve most. I'm really happy with the cycle I've had. I feel strong. I, and this is the great thing about 12K. And everyone out there, Get in a 10K, get in a 12K, get in a 15K, a 10-miler, because they can fit so naturally into your training yeah. where you just take a few easy days and you can roll back into it if yep. you fit. And in the seven, the eight days afterward, the first thing I did back, it was about five days later, was a hill workout. Effort-based, yeah. no pressure, felt good on it, so I knew I was okay to go. And then starting at that point, when I look back now at the last nine days, I've had Four good sessions with two great long runs and two great long workouts, if you want to call it that, where I did road work rather than getting on a track. I felt great, and so it just fits so nicely into this training calendar. A distance like that as well, that for those that get tied up with marathons, you almost lose that feel for racing. 
of yes. what it means to kind of go to bed with the jitters, to yep. have the anxiety of you know how hard it's going to be, to have the pressure of preparing for to get ready for the start line and have yourself ready for when the gun goes off. And yeah. these these races like this are great opportunities to practice that, to get comfortable with that. To, like you said, it doesn't take anything really away from your training cycle. A couple of easy days going in and maybe, you know, a lighter workout the week after. Yeah. And then you can jump back into to And a lot doing. of times within your cycle, you, you need that anyway. Yeah. You need some downtime. And uh, to your point, having not felt those things for nine months, I was overdue to get on a line yeah. and experience it. And I am so thankful and blessed to have had that opportunity to race there. Just a couple things to wrap. One is a quick gear review. I ran in the new Nike AeroSwift Dry Fit Advantage half tight. We've been about these for a while. That's the newest iteration of their AeroSwift stuff. It is fantastic. I'm now, every long run, every hard session, I'm in them now. Yeah. Uh, zipper pocket in the back, lined half tights with a drawstring, four interior pockets. It, nice. it brings all yeah. the pieces that we look for in race day gear and it's got that fit where you don't even know it's on i sure hope it is <laughs> after, <laughs> the rest of us after having said so. that my god i'm sorry <laughs> i believe i wore it on my long run yesterday if you saw me on the swamp rabbit trail with nothing on my apologies but i believe i was in these half tights i can't recommend them enough to some sessions what was good what was missing did a lot of, as you said, three minutes, yeah. of that stuff, and it fit at that piece and that point in time well. I've pivoted a little bit to try to sprinkle in some more longer continuous stuff. It's okay. still thresholdy type work yeah. and tempo type work, but uh, so maybe in a place where I'm still doing some three minute intervals where we're working from half marathon pace down to 10K pace, but I'm doing more longer stuff where I'm. In this 15K half marathon, maybe even slightly slower yep. range more frequently. Now, I feel like that was missing a little bit, maybe even from a mental perspective in, in this race. Best session leading up was, I saw you at the end of it. it oh, that's why. It, it, yeah, it was. That was <laughs> it. I'm not even going to tell you what the actual workout was. doesn't matter. It, it was a perfect weather morning, and I had a, a eight by three minute on, two minute float, and it was just executed perfectly, and I felt great afterward. And frankly, probably based on it was one of the reasons I thought I should have run a little faster here, yeah. but one workout should never be an indicator. It, it, it was just really good and it should be more looked at as positive momentum going forward. And I'm going to build from this and, and keep getting better. So I have been tremendously happy with fitness that I believe is about as good as it has ever been. Yeah, so we're going to find out. And, and from the beginning, the, the whole goal has been later in the year. So yeah, I won't, I won't judge any workout or race yet too harshly because generally the momentum is strong. Nice. Well done. Thank you. You know, thank you for sharing your experience. Yeah. Uh, I hope that some of our listeners eventually get to make it out to one of these two races because, as you heard, we give a lot of positive reviews. And I will add this. If you are local in Spokane or within a drive and you are not doing this race that costs $28. No when does a road race wow. this good cost $28 not anymore. anymore? I think the week up to it, it went up to like 35 bucks, and then day of or day before it went to 50 But if you signed up early at $28, 
shame on you if you're not doing that out there. I mean, that is tremendous. So that's another box to check of why this is such a good race. And what a fun day it was. What a fun day you had in the beautiful countryside of North Carolina. We're going to come back to you next time in mile 117 with an interview I'm super stoked about. Good friend of mine. uh, Her name's Chloe. She's going to join us. She has been on this just incredible journey of health and fitness and then added the wrinkle of running into that in the more recent years and has just totally transformed her life and has such energy and a beautiful perspective on our life journey. And so we're going to bring you her story next time we're here. Fantastic. Yeah, excited for it. So hope to see some people Saturday morning out uh, trail running in some ultra shoes. And look forward to talking to you again next time on mile 117 of Seconds Flat. As always, questions, comments, show ideas, email us secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. And please subscribe, rate, and get on your podcast provider of choice and give us a review. We would love to hear from you. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.